Thanks so much for joining us today. The Bible reading for this message is taken from Ruth chapter 2. It would be great if you could push pause on this video now, go and have a read through Ruth chapter 2 and then come back. Also, if you're finding the content from this channel helpful, why not subscribe to it? And if anything is said during the course of this video that excites you or encourages you or spurs you on, why not push the like button? So that's Ruth chapter 2, and we'll see you back here in just a moment. So much of life is made up of the regular and the ordinary. It's made up of those little moments that are strung together like a string of pearls. God is the God of the spectacular and the miraculous, but he's also the God of the ordinary and the mundane. Uh, Ruth and Naomi get back to Bethlehem, and their life is ordinary and mundane. The only thing they're worried about at this point is food, is sustenance, is the basic things in life. Uh, that is what they are seeking at this time. What is it that God's providence looks like? The story in the book of Ruth teaches us that God's providence looks more like regular, ordinary life than it does like spectacular, mountaintop, once-in-a-lifetime experiences. Most of the time, it's only when we look back that we will see God's fingerprints on a situation or a period in our life. What I hope that we'll work out and understand this morning is that the person of faith will recognize, even when they don't see it, that God's providence is always at work. Sometimes God's providence is at work as he has set it out in his word and it's being enacted and obeyed. Sometimes it's at work as God brings people together in a particular time or in a particular situation. What we also need to understand, though, is that God's providence does not only mean good times. God's providence is also affirmed when things are going horribly, terribly wrong. When Naomi's husband and sons died, she recognized that God did this. Uh, when, God end, when the famine ended and there was food in Bethlehem, Naomi recognized that God did this. When Boaz works out later on in the story of Ruth, there's a recognition that God did this. And so we need to view God's providence as God in control of the good and the bad in our lives. You see, God cannot only be in control when the good things are happening. If he was, then it would mean that he's absent in the dark times and in the dark days, which the Bible affirms he most certainly is not. In fact, the Bible affirms that God's providence is at work in both the good times and the bad times. And so... We venture now into Ruth chapter 2, as the story of Ruth and Naomi continues. And Ruth 2 is less about the story of Naomi this week and more about the story of Ruth, although Naomi brackets both the beginning and the end. When we come back to Bethlehem, we're told of a relative that Naomi had on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. Here is another glimmer of hope. Uh, in the story, that from last week, the barley harvest was beginning. This week, Naomi does still have some family living in that town. But the things with Naomi are so bad at this stage that Ruth actually gets up one morning and says, let me go. Let me go to the fields. Let me pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Now, what we need to understand is that in that time and in that place, Life was still shaped by the law of Moses. 
And one of the laws was for those who had resources to provide for people precisely in Ruth and Naomi's condition. And what that amounted to wasn't handouts, but was the opportunity for people without means and resources to still go out and work and provide for themselves and for their family. Uh, God designed work in order for human beings to be productive and to be able to provide. It's good uh, to live in a place where people are free to work and where work is provided. And so we read in Leviticus 19, one such law, uh, given to those who have land, those who have farms, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. Or from Deuteronomy 24, when you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheep in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. And so here was the provision. And it's interesting that Naomi doesn't say anything about this provision, even though she was the Israelite. She should have known this. She seems to be in a really dark place still. Uh, Ruth is the one who says, here, let me go out and do this. Uh, Naomi says, musters up the best that she can. Okay, go ahead, my daughter. You go out and you uh, do that. And so Ruth goes out. And she enters into a field and she begins to glean behind the harvesters. And as it happened to turn out, so here's irony and humor rolled into one, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. There's irony and there's humor, but also what we need to begin to see here is this is the providence of God. There was a man, a family man, a family member from their clan. His name was Boaz, and it just so happened that Ruth was working in his field. When we meet Boaz in verse 4, he arrives from Bethlehem. Ironically, it seems to be on the same day that Ruth arrives to work in the fields. And the first glimpse that we have of him, because we want to know what kind of a man is this, is the way that he greets his workers. The Lord be with you. Which just means that he was a good Anglican. Jokes aside, what it tells us is that he was someone who follows God. As employees respond, the Lord bless you. And straight away, it seems that Boaz recognizes that there's someone new working in the field. He takes an interest in Ruth. Here again is God's providence at work. For some reason, Ruth caught his eye. And so he asks the overseer of his harvest, verse 5, who does that young woman belong to? And now we begin to learn more about Ruth. She's the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. We know that about her, so we know she's committed. We know that she's faithful. We know that she's entrepreneurial and she's courageous because she gets up and she goes to work in a field as a widow, as a single woman with no protection. More on that in just a second. But here's what else we learn. She asked, she's humble. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. What's more, she's a hard worker. She came into the field and she's remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. And so Boaz hears about this, uh, hears of her relation to Naomi, hears what she's done, hears what she's like, and he goes over to uh, speak to Ruth. He says to her, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field. Don't go away from here. He brings her into community. Stay here with the woman who worked for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting. Follow along after the woman. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. 
You see, although there's this wonderful picture taking place here, Bethlehem wasn't necessarily the safest place in the time of the judges. Uh, there certainly was darkness looming on the corners and the edges. A woman of Naomi's, uh, of Ruth's standing, uh, was at great risk of abuse um, by people, uh, by men, at a time like this. And so Boaz offers her protection and provision. I've told the men not to lay a hand from you, and whenever you're thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars that the men have fulfilled. So here you go. Here's this incredible picture of Ruth, hard worker, courageous, humble, bold. And here's this amazing picture of Boaz offering protection and provision, a man of God. We learn more as the speech goes on. At this, she bowed down her face and said, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner? And Boaz says, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left. And he recounts the whole story. And then he says in verse 12, and this is kind of like his prayer for them, May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And she replies, May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servants. Which incidentally is that same uh, word used back in chapter 1, hesed, about God and his kindness and his covenants. You've been kind, spoken kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. Then at the mealtime, Boaz says to her, listen, come over here and have some bread. He continues to provide for her in ways he doesn't have to. Um, so come eat. And when she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all that she wanted, and she had some left over. And then as she got up to glean, so she goes back to work again among the sheaves, uh, he says to his men, to his employees again, let her gather among the sheaves. Don't reprimand her. If she makes a mistake, that's okay. I'm providing for her. She's under my protection. And even I want you to pull out some of the stalks for her from the bundles and leave them behind you so that she can find them and she can pick them up and I don't want you to rebuke her. Right? That's how this is playing out. That is God's providence at work. Why does Boaz do this? Well, we don't really know at this stage why he does this. It doesn't say anything about Ruth's attractiveness. It doesn't tell us that she was beautiful. It only tells us about her character and what she was like as a woman. And for some reason, Boaz responds. He reacts to that. The kindness that she's shown to Naomi, Boaz repays that with kindness. But we've got to also understand that as the story progresses, it, it isn't all straightforward. Uh, Ruth, we are reminded on multiple occasions, was a foreigner, that she was from Moab, that she was a Moabitess. That is really problematic. In Deuteronomy 23, verses 3 to 6, we read this. No Ammonite or Moabite may enter the assembly of the Lord, even to the tenth generation. None of them may enter the assembly of the Lord forever, because they did not meet you with bread and with water on the way you came out from Egypt, and because they hired against you Balaam. This is like a prophet. They hired uh, a prophet to speak against them and to try to lead them astray to serve other gods besides the God of Israel. So there's this really complicated history between the people from Moab and the people of Israel so that there's actually this lifetime forever ban on them being part of 
the people of God. So that's what you've got playing out. That is how this story is progressing. There's a big question mark about uh, whether or not there's any future in this relationship. And in actual fact, chapter 2 doesn't pick up anything on whether or not there is a future for this relationship. It only picks up uh, on uh, the interaction between Ruth and between Boaz and Boaz's wonderful provision for Ruth and Naomi at this time. And that's really important for us to grasp if we're going to understand the meaning and the lessons that this story is teaching. Let me just finish it, though. Naomi goes back, Ruth goes back, she gleans until evening, uh, she threshed the barley out, she gathered it, it amounted to about an epath, um, so a good few thousand rands. She carried it back to town, her mother-in-law saw how much she'd gathered, and Ruth also brought out what she had left over after she'd eaten enough, and her mother-in-law says, where did this come from? What have you been doing how do you have so much? Blessed is the man who took notice of you. And then Ruth tells her mother-in-law everything that took place, and the name of the man was Boaz. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He's not stopped showing his kindness, his hesed, there it is again, to the living and to the dead. And she added, this man is our close relative. He's one of our guardian redeemers, one of our kinsmen redeemers. More on that next week. And so Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the woman who worked for him because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. Why didn't Naomi say that earlier? Why does she only bring that part in now? Um, whatever the reason is, she seems to be kind of back up on her feet. Some life has been breathed back into her. The kindness that Ruth received has sort of just reinvigorated her and re-energized her. And so Ruth stays close to the woman of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished, and she continued to live with her mother-in-law. All right, so what do we do with this story? How do we, we can kind of begin to see God's providence working out, uh, but what do we take out of, of something like this? I can think of a couple of things. Number one, we learn from Boaz what true godliness looks like. You see, Boaz didn't just tick the boxes, did he, that God's law said about what the harvester should leave behind. He really went to the heart of the law, to the spirit of the law. He ensured that more than enough was left behind for Ruth. That is true godliness. His godliness uh, wasn't just a veneer. Not only did he make sure that she had work that she could glean, but he provided food, he provided water, he provided protection. He provided community when he said, stay with the other woman. And he's not doing it begrudgingly. He's not living this way because he has to. For Boaz, his faith has invaded his life. And what we need to understand is that God's law is always life-giving. That we have a God who is a incredibly concerned for us and he gives us his word and he gives us his law and when we follow the heart of the law when we dig down deep and when we act on that law in faith it brings incredible life and blessing god is concerned here for the poor for the landless and for the widows those are concerns that he wants us to share he wants us to live out those concerns in our lives 
But there are so many other things that he wants us to live out in our lives. You know, you think about uh, Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 when he speaks about anger and relates it to murder. When he speaks about adultery and says it's more than just the physical act, it's the mind and the eyes wandering. Uh, when he talks about all the laws, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you. And so the challenge that Boaz leaves for us is, are we just about the letter of the law and ticking boxes? Or are we digging deeper and getting to the spirit of the law, getting to the very heart of God and working out how we live that out in our lives? I think the second thing that we are left with at the end of Ruth chapter 2 has to do with the kindness of God. God rewards seekers, whether they seek resolutely like Ruth was doing, or they do it in perplexity like Boaz was doing, or they're like Naomi and they barely have the energy or the desire to seek at all. I think that the thing that is most surprising in all of it is that whatever kind of a seeker you are, Ruth or Boaz or Naomi, you will discover that as you seek the Lord, He has already been seeking you. You see, God gave the gleaning laws centuries before. All that Boaz was doing them was taking them to heart. God had provided for Ruth and Naomi hundreds of years before, and now he was providing in the present for them. God has been seeking you since before the foundation of the earth. And the incredible thing is that both God and us are seeking a treasure. The Bible tells us that God is seeking us and that we are his treasure. And the Bible tells us that when we seek God, the treasure that we find is nothing less than a redeemer. Someone who is able and willing to meet your deepest need. More riches are yet to come out of the book of Ruth. But what we have already discovered is its greatest treasure. The astonishing kindness of God. When we come to the end of Ruth chapter 2, Ruth is still living with her mother-in-law. I don't think that's a bad way to think about where we find ourselves in the story and the plan of God. We too, like Ruth and Naomi, have received the kindness of God in Jesus Christ. But we're still living with our mother-in-law. There is a call in this life to uh, live like Naomi, who sees the goodness of God in her life. Can I call you to look for the providence of God and see it in the ordinary and in the everyday? There's a call to live like Ruth, humbly and boldly and courageously and working hard, knowing that God is loyal, uh, knowing full well that life will not be easy, knowing that we live in a time where although our security is certain, uh, we still uh, face difficulty and hardship and struggle and yet our home is secure in heaven. There's a call to live like Boaz. When you think about the life that God has called you to, see the character and heart of God in his laws, in his commands, in his precepts, and in his word. And ask God to help you to live this life, participating in the great reversal. You see, at the beginning of chapter 2, Ruth and Naomi had no food, no sustenance, they were destitute. At the end of Ruth chapter 2, they are provided for abundantly. That is the great reversal. 
And that is a microcosm of the gospel. The gospel is a story of great reversal. Once we were dead in our sins and our trespasses, spiritually dead, unable to help ourselves. But now through Jesus Christ, we have been made alive. And one day we will be raised and seated at the right hand of God the Father because of Jesus Christ, our guardian redeemer. Would you bow with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to see your kindness in all circumstances, both good and bad. Help us to see your providence in the everyday outworking of our lives. Help us to be grateful and thankful for it and always to trust in it that come what may, you are working things out for us and for the good of those who love you and who have called upon your life-giving name. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.